What's up, gardeners and homesteaders? You are tuned into the Backyard Gardens podcast, and we have an awesome show for you today. Uh, it's very special. We decided to do a episode about the history of gardening, where we started in basically around the 1700s and worked our way all the way up to present time. And we released a whole series on Patreon, but we wanted to release the first episode to you for a specific reason. Uh, it's all about the essential edibles. And back in the day when people were on their homesteads and they grew food in their gardens, I mean, first of all, gardening was prevalent. So that speaks for itself. But what they decided to grow was really eye-opening to us when we started researching it. And moving forward, you may or may not, we're not going to marry any kind of plans right now about our own personal gardens, but you will probably see, I'll say probably, that's the safe term, right? You'll probably see that bleed into our gardens more because it just makes sense to grow these essential foods that we use a lot in our day-to-day cooking. I mean, growing the good stuff, you know, all the different varieties and stuff like that is great, but taking a look back in time could be very educational way for us to grow and really learn about the basics of growing food and starting to preserve and stuff like that. So it's a really good intro into this and we truly hope you enjoy it. We're pretty passionate about the history of gardening and we learned a lot of things through it. So if you'd like to hear the whole series, you're welcome to join us on Patreon, but this is the first episode and it's all about essential edibles. We really hope you enjoy it. Um, if you want to see where we're growing, how this is affecting us and where we're growing, then you can check us out on our YouTubes. I'm at Sydney Bottom Homestead and Batavia is at Be Better Garden on YouTube. So check that out and you'll see our different gardens and how we're kind of moving and navigating through this year. And just note when you watch these as well, if you decide to, that this is kind of in the back of our minds a little bit, maybe moving to the forefront, but this will help us in the future. So without further ado, Leonard, roll that tape. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. So Batavia and I did some research on this and... Th- this series is start started out as comparing um, gardens from past to now, and it's gonna kind of follow that line. But it's mm-hmm. it's an evolutionary process for this series. We had actually a difficult time doing it, um, putting it together. But once we got it to where I think we wanted it, it became very fascinating to me and eye opening. So. Um, each episode is going to talk about different aspects and history moving from the past to now. And to me, it was very enlightening, enlightening. And I realized that there's could be some changes to go back. Cause as you know, Batavia, I'm more of a traditional style gardener. Like mm-hmm. I like the history behind it and I like the, um, the time proven methods. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. And I'm not necessarily a trendy gardener. I don't feel like I'm on trend or anything. There are definitely some things that I've, you know, I've only tried because I saw them on the interweb. You know, so there is something to be said about that, you know. But generally speaking, a lot of the things that I want to grow are pretty traditional vegetables, as an example. So I wouldn't say I'm right next to you shoulder to shoulder. Well, I wouldn't be if we were standing next to each other. But uh, when it comes to being a traditional gardener, I do think you own that. Um, I do think that I am. Have I said this before? I'm more of a curious gardener. And because of that. (laughs) <laughs> you wear it like a badge of honor what are you talking about <laughs> yeah because of that i i definitely take myself off course but so the piece this is where we ended up like i'm gonna say we haven't argued like this since probably last winter like we were full on transferring from one device to another to continue the oh, argument yeah. about this series you know oh, and yeah, then finally was... <laughs> we got to the end of it and he's like how do you feel about it he always asked me that how do you feel about it i'm like i feel really good and that's not always my answer. Um, so a big piece of this to me is as we talk about this, in my mind, I process it as, you know, here's a look back and a look back almost always has a connection to the current day, you yeah. know, and what we plan on doing. So those two bits were really important to come through in this series. And um, young Ben was absolutely willing to accommodate that requirement. It was a requirement. And so just for the record, the conversation went like this. I got to go to the bus stop. I'm calling you on my phone right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a Friday evening and we rarely like we're pretty good about, you yeah. know, boundaries. Like we're real friends, but we're also pretty good about bind- boundaries. Like we don't chop talk shop kind of going into our weekends. You, you got to have kind of the separation of of that. And so it's very rare for us to even talk podcast stuff. Like we may talk about random stuff. Yeah, on we a talk Friday, about life but, stuff, but. Yeah, like, yeah, not podcast stuff. It was like, you know, late <laughs> afternoon. I had actually got to the point where I thought we were so close to being done. Like we'll just pick this up next week that I got into the bed. I was like ready for my <laughs> afternoon nap. I was so exhausted. <laughs> and for the record, if we were standing by side by side, we would not be shoulder to shoulder. No. Uh, It'd be like elbow to shoulder. Yeah, I'd be like, you you have an interesting belly button. This feels awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you forget how tall I am sometimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a giant, but my son seems to think I am. (laughs) But in all seriousness, um, you know, we're going to go back in time. Um, We're not going back to the future yet, but we will. Don't worry. We'll get the hoverboards out and all that good stuff. Um, But there's a, a small sentence that we found that was interesting to us and it started out as a huge argument but as we kind of talked about it and we worked through the way our gardens grow and some of the issues that we've had in the past it it started to make sense Mm -hmm. and it went it it, i mean the sentence goes like this um in you know the 1700s there were small enclosed dooryard gardens meaning they were like right outside your front door so i mean it's easy access you know mm-hmm. um they were dedicated here's the key to essential edibles culinary and medicinal herbs and so when we think about essential edibles let's not think about 2022 what you think your essential edibles are let's take it back and think about things that made a lot of food stored for a long time and were able to be multi-use. I, I wow, I just heard a trend in some of the stuff we've been talking about lately mm-hmm. as I said mm-hmm. that. Um 
that was actually a coincidence. So when we think about that, and I'm going to go ahead and just spoil it right off the bat, and then we can kind of get into a little bit of what we think are essential edibles for us. But it was like cabbages, carrots, onions, and potatoes. Now, if you think about it, I mean, I'm hearing stews and everything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, and for those who don't know, a dooryard garden is literally a garden right outside your front door. Like, I mean, you mm-hmm. open your door, boom, there's a garden. You have to take two steps and you go out there and work in it. Yeah. And I think back then, this was like almost a mini garden for your immediate access. And then for your family, I think it's 1700s. I mean, they're growing almost everything that they're eating yeah. uh, and raising everything that they're eating. And so this is. Um, kind of right outside your door. We may even refer to them as kitchen gardens today, but that's before you get to the really large garden, you know, that's going to be on your property. So for me, you know, you could look at either my front yard or backyard garden and in both instances, those are doorway gardens, you know, um, and I kind of use them as such, you know. Yeah, so I, I can tell you that this episode's series is going to, uh, Google's going to hate me because I'm going to be Googling the whole time we're talking um, well, I, you I, said kitchen garden, so I wanted to look that up. Yeah. Um, a kitchen garden is a space to grow herbs, leafy greens, vegetables, and fruit for everyday mm-hmm. use inside the kitchen. I mean, it's basically an edible garden. You know, but there is something there, there, as there I always is. feel clever. so clever when clever. I say that. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't have any room in my head for any more like new ideas for my next year's garden. Yeah. But I'm going to say this and then I'm going to wipe it from my memory. They're definitely even in my small space. So I've said this. The lots in Chicago, like your typical lots. I'm not talking about your mansions because that ain't what I got. It's 125 feet long by 25 feet wide. Right. So that includes the house, the garage, you know, the porches for me, the deck, right? So outside of that space is where my garden is. And believe me, I could finish a whole cup of coffee doing a garden walk. And that's on a good day when I'm just kind of looking at things, not like fiddling with things. And so it can take me some time. I was talking to my mom this morning when she called like at seven o'clock and she's always like checking me and like, I feel like maybe I'm slacking, but she never, ever would say that such a kind person. Um, Your mom's and so she's better like, than what time mom. did you get? Hmm? Your mom's better than my mom. Yeah. yeah. So my grandmother, <laughs> God rest her soul. Would have been like, I, every auntie would have known that I, it was after six o'clock when I woke up this morning. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going on with her, but she slept until six. Right. So I told my mom, I'm like, oh, you know, I think it's, you know, it's still dark now. Right. And it was really I was up online, you know, Googling random stuff at like 2 a.m. But that's a different conversation. So anyway, um, so she's like, oh, what time will you start work? You know, and so I said I was getting dressed and I told her. So she's calling me at like a little bit after seven. So I said, I'm going to get my coffee. She's like, oh, how long will you be outside? And I told her I would do my you know garden walk. And she's like, and I told her, you know, I'll finish the cup of coffee and then I'll come back in. She's like, oh, okay. You know, so I'd start at like eight o'clock or something. Um, and it's funny because this time of year, there's really just, I'm, um, drinking and watching versus really intervening. Um, But it's a long story to say there's some things that I'll forget even in the height of the garden or the slower period to check on things that are in that small lot. I just outlined that are further away from me, kind of in a nook and a cranny. So when you think about like kitchen gardens or even the doorway door yard garden from back in the 
day day. (laughs) Um, There are things that like I planted my herbs right outside the majority of them of my back door, my kitchen door. Yeah. That was very intentional. But there's some other things I think. Again, it's a long way around here. I hope you're still with me. There are other things that I think that are more day-to-day use for me in my garden that I don't have in close proximity. You know? right. And so that's something to think about as I plan out the space next year. Even if it's quite literally a 10-foot bed, planting something on the corner of the bed that's closest to my door versus the far end. You know, so. Well, I mean, for me, it, it rang true because, <clears throat> you know, if you go through that very slim but important list of what we were talking and we're not really going to get into the medicinal herbs much we can touch on it but that's a different story but as we as i thought about that and i thought about my garden and how i do it you know i'm envisioning a garden i mean you know there there were no neighborhoods that i'm aware of uh, in the 1700s. So, you know, it's like mom and pa on the uh, homestead mm-hmm. and they walk out there and I, I don't know. I mean, I imagine that the garden was probably fairly large because there was no grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever watched that movie Hateful Eight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. So um, my, my wife laughs. I mean, apparently it's one of my favorite movies and I hate cowboy movies. I hate them. But um, it's apparently one of my favorite movies because I watch it quite regular. Mm-hmm. Um, for one reason is it's three hours long, so I can just let it run. But it's interesting because the whole movie takes place in this one building. And mm-hmm. this one building is the equivalent of what would be a grocery store. It's your general store. It's got your yeah. candy. She's got stew cooking on the fire. Mm-hmm. She's got coffee. She might have a couple foods, odds and ends. But other than that, there's not really a lot of places unless you go into a town in which to get food. And then even then, the food couldn't travel far. So when I started thinking about my garden this year and in previous years, but mo- mainly, I'd say in the past five years, it was shocking to me how far I've strayed from that mm. to where I've gotten more and more, and here's the kicker, diversity within my garden But because of the amount of diversity, I think I've actually been leaving a lot on the table. I know I have been leaving a lot on the table as far as like what I can produce and what my family can consume. It's very interesting. Come on, somebody. I'm a whole mixture of emotions. Like my eyes are getting kind of wide and and teary. You got excited, didn't you? Yeah, man. I, um, you know... I have like four or five least favorite sayings and I don't normally operate in that way. Like focus on the thing that I don't like, Yeah. but the journey is one of my least favorite sayings, oh, <laughs> like one yeah. of those five, but there absolutely, excuse me, absolutely is a journey in this. And I think that you and I both, and especially if you go back five years and you look at these last few years, like our gardens have changed yeah. dramatically. Like how long have you been gardening in North Carolina? Um, my own garden, seven years. Okay. Gosh. So that So you talk about seven years ago, you know, digging up a garden and then how much it's changed over that period of time. And that's really important. I look at the same, like this is the fifth year going into next year will be the fifth year that I've had the garden space that I have. And I really believe that we've seen some changes in our space and and in turn the way that we go about gardening and it feels like 
is it a coincidence that we've both kind of come like we've not hit our head up against a wall, but we've come to a conclusion very similar at the same time. Right. So I don't know even if this episode should be guarding was easier back then, but I definitely think it was more simple. Ooh, that's a lot better. Okay. That's the new title. Yeah, man. Write it down. Leonard, (laughs) take that note. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you think about it and let's say you're running just those basic crops, um, Think about that. You only got to mm-hmm. master a handful of crops. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. think about last year when you were trying to master cucumelons. I love bringing mm-hmm. up your cucumelon escapades. You know, 10 different types of tomatoes, multiple mm-hmm. peppers, sweet mm-hmm. potatoes, regular potatoes, corn, you know, lettuce, cabbage, carrots, parsnips, Brussels sprouts, lettuce. I'm going to keep going just to mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, if you think about that list, it's yeah, long. Man. Now, I'm not saying that people back then did not grow these things, but I think the majority of their garden were big, large patches because we take our gardens today and we look at them as a happy place. Mm -hmm. We look at those as a beautiful place. They didn't look at it like that. I mean, I'm sure they thought they were pretty or whatever, but they were like, this is it. This is a factory. This is a food factory. We're going to mm-hmm. till and grow and harvest and keep it going as long as we can. And I think that getting away from looking at a garden like that could be a downfall for some people, you know, myself being included, you know, where I'm like, hey, I, I would really I need a vining plant right here because it would look a lot better when in reality, like who gives a shit how it looks like, let's just get the food out of it. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I, um, I was a couple of videos ago. I opened with, you know, I live in a big city. I'm in Chicago, Illinois, in the U.S. And, but I still have plenty of opportunities to grow a lot of food. Right. You know, so that was kind of the general opening as I was kind of showing, you know, the space that I garden in. And one of my um, garden friends, online garden friends commented, I'm really happy that you mentioned that, because oftentimes we find reasons to, you know, say we can't garden or I can't grow this or I can't grow that. You know, and a part of what we were talking about in the comments was, you know, today there's a bit more sacrifice for uh, for those of us that have our own property right you are basically going to sacrifice some bit of that property that we've come to use in different ways right you know it's the space where you're having barbecues you're having family over you know you're you're i'm sorry you're having cookouts (laughs) (laughs) or a barbecue consuming barbecue you're having family over like it's a living space right so you fold all of that in and to be able to also grow a garden it's like you have to give up a little bit of that yeah you know and a lot of us do that and don't look back i'm one of those folks um and i think that that's one of the distinct differences like the land was available to be worked it wasn't necessarily for playtime back then you know and so it had a you know in part a singular purpose when it comes to that bit of their homestead and today we're definitely looking at kind of multi-purpose spaces or using the spaces for multi-purposes which i mean it's a little bit more of a challenge i think you know, the other day I had a guy come over. <clears throat> I was going to go do some work for him. And he, he, I heard the dog bark as usual. Sorry, dog's going off. And I was like, okay, he's here. 
And I went outside. I'm like, where the hell is he? I see his car, but he's not here. So I'm like, well, I'll just sit down for a minute. About 10 minutes later, I'm like, all right, enough's enough. Like, what, did he get kidnapped or something? Like, what's going on? I walk out back, and he's just standing in my backyard. Um, he's a smoker, so he's smoking a cigarette. And I was like, man, what the hell are you doing? He's like, man, I just fucking love your backyard. And the way he said that, and I was like, why? And he was like, it's alive. He was like, you have your gardens. And he was like, your bonsai. He was like, you've done a lot back here. And he's like, it's just, it's alive. And it's, you know, and it rang true to me because that's something that we strive for as gardeners is to get those reactions. But then we have to take a step back and say, okay, yes, it is alive. But is it giving me what I want out of it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think there's stuff like truth moment for everybody listening depending on where you live your essential edibles may have to be different than what you want Mm -hmm. them to be Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what i mean so like i grew a lot of like black eyed beans black eyed peas this year those can be essential edibles because they grow so well here you know what i mean and they they tick mark a lot of those boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, hell, we have a recipe where we make cowboy stew with them. So if that says anything, um, and I'm envisioning back in the 1700s, like everybody was a cowboy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, I mean, I think that there's a bit of, you know, um, there, I'm sure it, in every bit of time, there was something that was more tasty than, you know, other things that were eaten, but you, you ate to sustain yourself. It wasn't about some gourmet dinner or some, you know, yeah. some frou-frou dinner or even something that everyone loved. Even when I was growing up, fast forward a bunch of hundreds of years and there were absolutely daddy, my grandfather, there was a favorite meal that he had, you know, and we knew it when it was being cooked, but it may not have been my favorite, but that didn't matter, you know, you know, and, and sometimes I'd look up and it's like, oh, that's my favorite you know and it's like oh my mom could could take it or leave it but again that was the meal for the family and so um there is a part of that that we have to carry into the garden i think you know let me not be that absolute i think that we should carry into the garden if you're in a place where you're wanting um things to carry you longer throughout the season someone asked me um how long does your food last like do you does it last until the next year? And it's such a great question. And it's such a comp- complex question, right? And we did a whole series around, like, can you grow for a year? And so my general answer was... <laughs> we did a whole series and we're going through a nine-part series about that yeah, right now. So. Yeah, right? And so my general answer was, you know, tomato products, yes, it can. You know, but there is still rationing. Like if I were to just, you know, blindly make soups and spaghettis and all of that stuff, like I probably would be out of it much sooner, you know, but I'm very intentional about, you know, kind of the, all right, we need to make it to the next year. But there are a bunch of things that I just don't, I can't get a year out of. And that's okay. Yeah. Right. You know, but there are also some things that are more high value crops, I think. And you mentioned this on a recent episode um, that, you know, maybe aren't as exciting, which goes back to, you know, the way that they looked at it hundreds and hundreds of years ago, it was essential edibles, right? Yeah. You know? So, um, and I'm going to say that that's not, I could probably force fit some items in my garden into that category, what, the, what that means to me, but that's definitely not the way that I have been managing my garden. 
That's well, where I'm, what I'm trending to, though. Well, I was going to say this earlier, but I, I want to come back around towards the end of the episode and because I, I want to give you time to think about, and myself as well, as we talk, what your top essential edibles would be for your garden. Like, mm-hmm. if, if you were going to go this route, and actually it would be fun to know, like, what it, if you were considering doing this route, what would your biggest, your, like, five biggest crops be? You know what I mean? That you would really focus on. I think that would be interesting because, you know, as you go through and you work in, <laughs> if you, as you work into the garden, um, Batavia just sent me a message and totally derailed me. I'm sorry. As we go through and we talk about this, um, different crops will come in and out of my mind mm-hmm. and you have to continuously think, and that's why this episode, I mean, this is a really good time of the year for this episode to be coming out because we're not really actively gardening on a large scale right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like myself may have small winter gardens, but generally speaking, the, you can grow them unless you live in a warm climate, but then once you harvest them, they're done and you can't really mm-hmm. put anything in for a couple of months. So there's a lot of time to think about what we can grow and how we can grow it. But, um, you know, it's important to know, too, like, back then, I would be very comfortable saying 95% of people had a garden. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you just had to garden if you yeah, wanted to yeah. grow it's food. A life, it was a life skill. Eat. Yeah. I think that um, the one thing that I'm really proud of is these last handful of years for me and then for you as well. We've tried kind of different vegetables, different techniques. And I, I'm going to keep on preaching this. It's put me now in a position to weed out things and to, to focus more so on what could be my essential edibles. Right. Um, and, you know, to some degree back then, it wasn't like you had like, you know, hundreds of varieties or hundreds of different crops to choose from. Right. But they absolutely I'm sure because you didn't you don't have a lot of time to mess around. Right. So they absolutely went with what was known to grow well in the, the areas that they were living in. And that was it. You know, there wasn't any, let me test this thing, you know, because um, you may not eat, you know, during the winter if you're out here yeah. testing some things, you know. Um, and I, we obviously have a, a bit more freedom now because we are, again, talking about supplementing, you know, our, our grocery, you know, pickings and grocery store bill. Um, and each year, it's my hope that I'll always remember my grandmother would say things like, I don't, I don't ever need to have another watermelon. I've eaten more watermelon. You know, we used to go and we all used to have one under our arm and we'd come back from the watermelon patch. She also said that about, um, cucumbers, you know, um, and it's just the, she's had enough of what was good and she doesn't have to settle for kind of what's in the store now, you know? Um, and so I think that there's some things that I'm slowly, but surely not buying during the off season. Yeah. And that's a real big win for me, you know, and that brings you closer to, you know, back many, many hundreds of years ago, I think, when it comes to seasonal that eating? mindset. Are you getting back to seasonal eating? No, okay. never, never. Sounds like it, kind of, <laughs> sort of. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's an interesting concept because, you know, my my garden is not by my back door. It's just not. It's mm-hmm. way the hell back there. Um, that being said, like I'm not. I'm not really hung up on that portion of it. 
Um, there's technical reasons why mine's not. So there's that. Um, my last garden, I mean, dude, I had to walk down. Um, I had like a weird, like double decker porch type situations. I had to like walk down two porches to go to my garden, but, um, it doesn't really bother me to have to go out there, but I'm also not worried about predators and bandits and all that stuff. You know what I've I mean? I told you that raccoons have been outside of my doorway. So if I had a larger, um, property, I would have my house, my door yard garden would be flowers <laughs> so that's what would be would be surrounded by my house and my actual food production garden would be further away you know yeah i wouldn't have it as close as it is today well so i was out you said you mentioned flowers so i'm gonna go here for a minute um a couple years ago i i uh i killed a deer and I took the deer head and I buried it to try and get um, in a fire ant hill to get him to eat all the flesh off it so I could just have the skull. Because I didn't really want to do anything. Long story short, something came and dug it up like three days later. And so I was like, where the hell is this skull at? So I start digging around and I start finding pieces of plates. Mm-hmm. I start finding little um, glass bottles. Um, we found a cast iron pot. And in that pot, there was still a shell sitting in it because we're not far from the ocean here. Mm-hmm. And so we found out that the area that we lived in used to have like 300,000 people that lived here. And then they all just left. Everybody mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. And um, the bottles we had, we found they were they were labeled um, not for. Um, no, it, I'm sorry, not not for. It said um, for consumption. Mm-hmm. which was a sickness back then called consumption. Uh, I think it was like TB is what it ended up being. So it was like little medicine bottles that we were finding, little glass medicine bottles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to touch on the medicinal herbs portion of this, if you think about that, there were no drugstores. So people had sure. to grow their herbs in order. I mean, you know, every medication we have is either comes from a plant or is a synthetic form of a plant. I don't know about every, but I would, I know it's a big, I don't want to be absolute, like you said earlier, but it's a very large number. If it is Um, like aspirin, for instance, I think it's from the white willow bark. Mm -hmm. That's all that is. So people would just chew that up and get the same thing. So they had to grow their own things. And that was probably something they had very close to their doors. So when they needed it, they could go out and get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's for me, it's less about like whether it's outside of your door or not, but it's more about kind of how prominent gardening and growing things were. Yeah. You know, so not only is it do you have kind of the field garden, right, that's going to be further out on your property, but it was important enough to actually also have something that's really close that you can step outside as you're making your stew and collect something to add to it, you know. Um, And and interestingly enough, we talk about convenience in our lifestyle today, but clearly that's for convenience purposes, you know. So I absolutely accept that what we do today and how convenient things are today is night and day difference from hundreds of years ago. But the concept of like, making things easier is it's human right you know like you know i know people are like oh you know i like hard work 
I mean, if I could, if the garden could be easier for me, I'd sign me up. You know, yeah. if I could still do the, the work and it'd be easier, sign me up. And that's a thing that I think that we've been chasing. But I think that even looking back at, you know, the 1700s, it's a really good example of a concept that worked then and a concept that can still work now. Again, those things that are, that make your kitchen life easier. If you can grow them outside your door or near your door, do so, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and then you, if you take that part and then you take what they consider their essential edibles and factor that into the storability of it, the, um, the multi-use of it, the fact that it's close to their house and mm-hmm. that they're self-sufficient, truly self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you wanted some meat, you had to go out there and shoot you a rabbit. You mm-hmm. know, that raccoon coming on your door, that would be a, a delight. You know what I mean? They would be like, please send a raccoon to my door. There's nothing better than a <laughs> raccoon on my door. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you think about all those things, and I'm not saying that like, hey, if you want to really do this, you got to go out and start hunting. Um, I do... My personal feeling is I I like the idea of everybody going hunting once so they can get in touch with where meat comes from. Because when my grandfather found out I hunted, he's he I loved my grandfather, man, more than anything. He was a great man. But he said to me, um, he goes, oh, so you, you like to hunt? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get into it. And he's like, it's just so sad. And then I asked him, I said, his name, I called him Opa. It's German for grandfather. I said, Opa that meat that you have in the, you think that it just comes wrapped in plastic? <laughs> like somebody had to kill it. And he's like, yeah, but I didn't kill it. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And that kind of rang true to me. And this was an older gentleman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he was an older man, obviously he's my grandfather. So taking that thought process, I mean, it's just totally disconnected from your food. Mm-hmm. And that's where mm-hmm. like having your garden is different because I don't think that people, I think people that don't, I know that there are people that don't garden, don't understand that radishes grow in the dirt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I think some people think that they grow on trees, you know, and cause I know people that won't eat certain foods because they grow in the dirt cause they don't want to get the dirt in their body. I know so, somebody uh, like that. This book, gar- this book about gardening, I was listening to, uh, Damn, you'd be referring to this book on the reg. Oh, no, actually, there are a few. Oh, okay. So, Look at you. Um, uh-huh. And so one of them, the ladies was describing, I can't remember if the story was with her her husband, but so there was a guy and the neighborhood kids had come over to the garden and um, he pulled a carrot, I think, out of the the dirt. And so the little kid was like, how did you get that in there? You know, like, you know, couldn't like believe that that's, that that's where that came from. Like, that's how this, that's, this is how you get carrots. He's basically like, you know, you get them from the store, you know, a little kid. Right. And so you talk about what people may or may not know today or may or may not understand. It's not because of, you know, the inability to, to understand it. It's just that we've lost that yeah. over generations. Yeah, you know? it's not that you're not capable of understanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people are in the world that have never seen food grow other than driving by it and, you know, mm-hmm. not knowing what <clears throat> what they're looking at? Like one of David's favorite games to play when we're driving, because, you know, usually when we go somewhere, we're driving in the country, we hardly ever go in the city. 
And he's like, Daddy, what are they growing? I'm like, oh, that's uh, watermelon. Um, you know, corn. He's always trying to stump me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, one day he was like, what's that? He's like, it's snow. And I was like, no, it's cotton. And he's like, what? So I pulled over. And I was like, I was like, go out there and get you a piece of cotton. And he's like, what? And I was like, go get you a piece of cotton off that plane. He's like, I don't want to get shot. And I'm like, they're not going to shoot you if you go get a piece <laughs> of cotton. So he got the piece of cotton. And I was like, all right. And he goes, oh, okay, this is like a cotton ball. He's like, but there's all this lumpy stuff in it. I was like, okay, now I want you to pull all the seeds out of it. And he's like, how do I do that? And I was like, you start pulling the cotton and pull all the seeds out. And he's like, it hurts my fingers so bad. I'm like, that's what people had to do back in the day before they Mm -hmm. had machines and stuff. That was like their job. You know, that's how they made clothes and stuff like that. And I mean, that's when you start getting into the true definition of homesteader, Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. they were making their own clothes. And and that's what these people were. They were homesteaders. Mm -hmm. And I believe that they called their houses the homestead. Yeah. You know, like Little House on the Prairie. I'm pretty sure they called it a homestead, even though I hated that show. It was terrible. Oh, my mom used to love that show. I have a a good girlfriend that still watches it. Did you know that Jason Bateman was in that show? I watched it, but I don't remember that. He was really young. Yeah. Oh, I do remember that. Now that I just had to picture a young Jason Bateman. (laughs) Wait, do I? I may be making that up in my head now. Yeah, he was in it. Yeah. He's one. I love the way he talks. It's it's hilarious. He'll make you feel like an idiot quick. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Looking at the the interweb, I can absolutely remember that. But um, you know, it's just that disconnection. And then one day, we were driving, and he goes, "What's that?" And I was like, "That's a watermelon patch." And he's like, "What's that?" And I was like, "I don't know." And he's like, "You sure?" And I went, "I was like, oh shit, that's cannabis." <laughs> He's like, what's that? And I was like, reefer, son. He's like, ooh. He was like, isn't that the bad stuff? I'm like, you know, it ain't bad. It's just. The reefers. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's a trip. But, you know, I mean, that's the thing is when you when you go around, you see all these things and it's it's out of touch. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's where everybody listening here. I mean, you guys are a special breed because you're in touch and you know about that stuff. There is some bit of um, taking things for granted when you're not connected to it and i'm not saying if you don't have a garden you're taking food for granted i'm saying that the structure that we have the institutions we have make it very easy to take things for granted you know if you even i mean we're not pulling stats today don't even start googling it we'll have leonard do it you know after the show but the amount of food waste you know in the u.s as an example um i mean let's just keep it really real son you know that is absolutely us taking things for granted um and it's not to say that there aren't things that get too large or too mature or overripe in my garden this happens you know so um you know you can look at even me not composting as a, a a bit of waste, right? You know, I could be using those greens and things, you know, in a different way. Um, so I'm not on a, um, you know, uh, like a, a soapbox here, but it's just what's reality. Well, let me, let me bring it home for you. Cause I have a statistic. You don't have to bring anything home for me. I'm very comfortable with exactly where I am with it. Well, the listener might be curious yeah. each mm-hmm. year in the United States of America, 108 billion pounds of food is wasted in the U.S. That equals 130 billion meals and more than $408 billion in food thrown away each year. 
almost nearly 40% of all food in America is wasted. That's the that's the percentage. And I wonder if you realize that something like what I said before you went to. I had to know. know. Well, I mean, I you, you realize know. that that's like the setup, right? Yeah. Like that saves me from doing it. <laughs> yeah. Saves me from stating the Because you stats. know how I work. You uh-huh, know yeah. that like once you I say saw, it, like I can't stop. I saw you stop. leading in and, and, and your little finger is going to work. And I said, I'll give him some time. I'll keep on talking and give him some time to give us the stats. You know, I was talking to a buddy about, this is some time back, about how for most people, it's really hard to wrap your head around what a billion is we were talking about money like a billion dollars right that's so far away from what any of us will ever see in one time or in a lifetime yeah so as you kept on saying like you know a billion this a billion that it's just so hard to wrap your head around wait how much yeah you know and then you break down 40 percent of food is wasted and that's wild i wonder what those and i'm not don't look this up because i don't want to go too far off track here but i wonder what those stats are like kind of looking from generation to generation you know i was gonna say decade to decade but i'm not as curious to that you know so the 2000s compared to the 1900s and so on um anyway well you know a large um a large part of that is created by subsidies and I don't really want to get into that, but, um, that is a large part of it. It's, I mean, it's a little bit of a skewed number when you read that because it's like, Oh, well we're always in food, but it's not really that. Um, and we can have a whole nother like farmer subsidies. Well, okay. I'll get into it briefly. Yeah. Farmer subsidies, meaning it's kind of like if you have your budget at your business and you're like, Hey, if you don't spend yeah. this, ten thousand dollars you're not going to get it next year so people are buying whatever Mm -hmm. they can it's Mm -hmm. the same with them but for like water Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so they have to grow it and then they can't sell it and they just throw it away Mm -hmm. so um there is that um so yeah i mean it's a little bit of a misleading number but still it's the fact of that's that's a lot and even if it was only half of that, even if it was only 20 percent, yeah that's still a lot you know yeah so i had a friend last year and he bought um he bought some Shiba Inu crypto when it came out, and he was mm-hmm. like, "I'm holding it till it gets to a dollar." Well, there was one quadrillion coins made, and I was like, "All right." So I started reading about, it, and they're like, "If it goes to one dollar, it'd be worth more than all the real estate, all the uh, cars, and all the food in the entire world put together." I'm like, "It'll never," because you just can't wrap your mind around these mm-hmm. big, huge numbers like mm-hmm. this, you know. But we digress, and then going back to. Um, gardening was easier um you know one thing i want to remind everybody of too is people weren't starting seeds in their house back then mm. you know i didn't realize that yeah well i mean you don't have lights yeah 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 you know yeah. i mean okay. I can, I i'm pretty that. sure that candlelight doesn't grow seeds i could be wrong <laughs> um and you i mean you may have had people doing stuff in windowsills or something i don't know but Generally speaking, you wanted to grow a cabbage, you put the cabbage seed in the ground and you watered it and you mm-hmm. grew it in place. And I would imagine that maybe you got better produce if you did that too. I don't know. You know, I was thinking about that today. I have... Um, of course you were. S- hmm? Of course you were. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I was... Um, I had... I've just had a really shitty time of like fall starts. 
Yeah. yeah. So here's your spoiler. When, if you hear me talking about fall, my fall garden, if you see me on videos about fall garden, you know, prepare to be underwhelmed. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so um, I just had my seed starting was just so slow and I had to reso and yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, all in all, still, you know, a, a really decent year for the garden. But I had one of six collard plants. I started a new round of collards um, back in July, and one of them um, I have planted. And I can see the new growth, and it's going to be fine, right? I have a short window of time for how much it's going to produce, but again, that's fine. Then I thought this morning, like, if I would have just sowed those seeds in place, like, because one, the one I have is growing in a container, then I probably would have had more than one collard green plant growing, yeah. you know? And so I, I kind of have an idea of why I did not. Right. But that's neither here nor there now. Um, it's a good example of for us, for me, like everything can't be direct. So but there definitely are some things that that can. And if you think back then, you know, they probably were just growing the things that could be that for their their um, growing season, whatever that was for, you know, wherever they were, they were only growing the things that could sustain from seed to harvest. Yeah. And they only got access to stuff that grew in their area too. Yep. There's mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's all interesting concept. And I'm interested to see as we go through this series, how our opinions will change and, you know, morph through about our gardens for next year. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some people that this may click with and some people may be like, yes, you know, screw those guys. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> um, and that's, that's fair. Um, but on that note, we, we've been talking about essential edibles and I have to give you something that has to use an essential edible. And that would be the recipe of the day. All right, so this one goes out to a big shout out to one of our patrons, uh, Alex. They send us a message and go, how much am I going to have to pay you for that egg roll recipe? Not a damn thing, because here it is. You know, I'm glad you asked, Alex, because anytime I ask, he's so stingy with it. So let's do it. Hold on. Let me, because it may be a little while before I hear this. Let me go ahead and record (laughs) this on my phone. Go ahead. So um, the the ingredients are two teaspoons of sesame oil, and then uh, we use a one cabbage shredded, and we shred some carrots. You can use um, bags of coleslaw mix if you want. That's easier, but this is a good way to use two of your essential edibles um, by definition. Uh, one tablespoon of soy sauce, one tablespoon of seasoned rice vinegar, so um, you can use white vinegar if you have to, garlic powder, uh, ginger powder, green onion, one green onion, and then a pound of egg roll wrappers, a cup of water, and two to three cups of vegetable oil for frying, or you can just coat them and then put them in the oven, like just brush on some oil. So what you're going to do is you're going to heat up the sesame oil, you're going to add in all of your vegetables your soy sauce, your vinegar, garlic powder, ginger, all that stuff. And then you're going to saute it for about five to eight minutes until it's softened. I like to get it until 
you get the water out of the cabbage, mm-hmm. but you don't want to go too far or else it'll be really mushy. Mm-hmm. So then you get the egg roll wrapper, you lay it out, you put a third a cup of the um, filling in there, and then you brush the edges with water and you roll them up like a burrito. And then um, you just set them aside and keep doing that. And then you can e- either put them in the oven. I think we do, I think, okay, this is where I stumble. I think we do like 10 to 15 minutes at 425, but or else you can fry them however you want. Mm-hmm. If you fry them, they mm-hmm. definitely turn out better, but mm-hmm. they're fattier. And um, you fry them for about five to eight minutes if you're going to do that. And then you just put them on a... You have to put them on a wire rack so they cool all the way around or else it'll get soggy on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And so you can play around with the ginger on there. That's one thing. We usually add more garlic because, I mean, you know, look, we don't want vampires to get us. But ginger <laughs> is a spicier, so you can take that out. We also have added some fish sauce every once in a while. So that'll give a little bit of a skunkier taste. It smells like hell when you cook it, but then when you eat it, it tastes good. So um, it's a really easy recipe, and we usually make them... Uh, a batch of like six would you sometimes we'll make a batch of like three to four pounds of egg roll wrappers at once so we'll do like three cabbages at once especially if we get a good harvest out then that's when we'll do it and then we'll pre-freeze them we'll cook them and then freeze them that one was for batavia Mm -hmm. and then you just pull it out and throw it in the oven and heat it up do not put it in the microwave do Mm -hmm. not and then at where, when you eat it, you can either use duck sauce or I like to use um, hot pepper oil. Good night. And that's your egg roll recipe for today. So um, as, as my great aunt would say um, when we were younger, she'd say, you know, we're working on something, you know, trying to watch what we're eat, eating. And so I'm working on something. And I am starting with things like, you know, smaller serving sizes. So before I told you, all right, let's, let me, let me go ahead and eat a little bit of this oatmeal. And it really was a little bit. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, it was, it was a protein filled oatmeal at eggs and, and well, oats, the eggs for the protein, a little bit of milk in it. You know, so it definitely was a fulfilling serving, but not necessarily size. And I'm sitting here like, I got a long way to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm pretty hungry right now. In part, it's probably I need to drink a bit, a bit more water too. Um, but that's I could actually hear the crunch. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Thanks, yeah, Alex. I mean, we, also thanks, Ben. Yeah, well, you can thank Alex because they pressured <laughs> me into uh, mm-hmm. making. No, I'm joking. I was more than happy to give it out. So I'll post that on Patreon for all of the patrons. And that's another aspect you get out of it. So we're going to start putting mm-hmm. all of our recipe or most of our recipes on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can enjoy them as you want. But, um, you know, I, I said earlier, I wanted to come up with our five top essentials, but let's just, let's dumb it down to one as we, so as we build through these episodes, we can kind of keep thinking because I think this is not um, let's come up with it in a 30 minutes type mm-hmm. situation while you're having this other conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take some time. So what is other than cabbages, carrots, potatoes and onions? Yeah, I put a stipulation on it. What is one essential edible that you think you would have in your garden? That, well, no, that you will have in your garden. Green beans. Green beans, really? 
I like it. And I reserve the right to to lean towards something that I've been successful this year at more than any other year. Because carrots was going to be my one. But clearly you make the rules. Um, and green beans in part um, because there are a bunch of different ways to use it. In part because I figured out, I cracked the code when it comes to growing and quantity and my preference for when I want to harvest them, like the size, like Mm -hmm. all of that stuff goes into kind of who you are as a gardener, like your style of gardening, what you prefer. Um, And so I feel really good about that going into next year. Well, since I write the rules, I'm just going to stick with carrots. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) I'm joking. Um, seriously, for me, um, one of them is probably going to be okra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, well, I say it doesn't, but it, it falls in line with the others. For me, I like to fry them, but I also love to put them in stews and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's it's a big surprising. producer. Yeah. It's surprising to me too, but as I look back, it's one of those that it doesn't take a lot of plants yeah. to get a lot. And I think that's yeah. really important too, because... If we stick to our essentials, like that's a that's one that you can kind of work your way through and, you know, still have room for others. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people bread them just like you would buy it from the grocery store and freeze them. Um, but if you just freeze it normal, like I, I'm pretty certain when I've frozen it before, I've blanched it. Um, and then frozen it it freezes really well because when you think about when you're adding it to stew texture isn't as important yeah you know oh i cook um, the shit out of it when i put it in stew so there's yes yeah, i mean come on now you know like, <laughs> of course you know i know about that um and I, I i really like i mean maybe it's just about the stew man because that's a part of the reason why i i was going to choose carrots too yeah. it's definitely a so I'm not just looking at essentials as the you can round out a meal, I like to say, but that is a big piece of it. Like, does it help round out a meal? You know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah. the, the fact is I can, um, I feel like I have to explain myself a little bit. I may not, but um, I can can it like bread and butter, okra. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I can freeze it. We can fry it. We can stew it. Um you can even eat it raw. I'm not big into eating it raw, but you can eat it raw. So there's a lot of different ways to use it. Um, so I think, it, you know, and the, and the, the biggest factor is one or two plants is going to give me more than I c- could ever use. So I think that's that's a big um, motivating factor for me. You just made I just got excited about going back to look at I think it's Clemson is the variety that I want that I've had the best luck with and enjoyed the most. But I'm going to look back because I've also done Louisiana Velvet and this year I did Star of David, but I may have even beyond the burgundy okra, which is just a dud in my garden. But it feels good to know, like, I'm good. I don't need to try anymore. Like, give me my 2023 okra from the uh, Clemson variety. Yeah. Like, I'm settled there now. My best that I've ever had was um, the green velvet. So I think... the green velvet one, the Louisiana velvet, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know the technical name for it. Again, we're not a technical podcast. This is how it rolls. <laughs> um, but that was the best I've ever had. I have seeds from this year that didn't do well, but I had compaction issues and dead soil and stuff that I was growing in. So I'm not really going to count that. I'll probably do a mixture of both next year to ensure 
that I get it. But if if the ones that I have now do what I think they're supposed to do, then that's just going to be what I go with. And that's it. I was just thinking about where I was going to plant okra. Let's gotta stay focused here. Yeah, stay focused. All right, everybody. So next week, we're going to talk about a pivotal time in American history for gardening. One of, I think, the most pivotal times in the telling. Like, this really starts to the path of telling the true story behind gardening for human beings. Is that too, too uh, much to say? I mean, I feel like this is the outtakes to like, you know, some Marvel movie or something like, but wait, you know, yeah, this, <laughs> is you the end this is scene. what's going to happen in part in the second, you know, movie for this series. Yeah. Hey, you know, well, you're going to have to find out next Thursday right here on the Backyard Gardens podcast. And until then, check out our links, become a patron, buy a t-shirt or go to Amazon and shop, or you can check us out on YouTube. And until next time, see ya. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.